And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruit and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. On today's Fantasy Baseball in 15, I'll discuss another option for saves in Cincinnati and weekend streamers. Like death and taxes, Dodger's been a Dodger. I have not had uh, three co-brews yet. It works great in a fantasy I'm just glad I am not at the dentist. Fantasy Baseball in 15. On The Athletic. Welcome to Fantasy Baseball in 15, presented by Tops. Check out Tops Project 70, celebrating 70 years of Tops baseball cards. Derek Van Riper flying solo on this Friday. Let's get to some news and notes as we get started today. Corey Seager remains on track to return to the Dodgers lineup in early July as he works his way back from a hand injury. He could begin a rehab assignment as soon as the beginning of next week. Ronald Acuna was held out of Thursday's game against the Reds as he continues to deal with a back injury for the time being. He remains day-to-day. On the other side of that matchup between Atlanta and Cincinnati, we found out that Lucas Sims was placed on the 10-day IL with an elbow sprain. The good news for now, at least, is that he could be back at some point in July. So we're talking about a return in a matter of weeks as opposed to a matter of months. Interestingly, though, The Reds turned to Brad Brock to close that game out. He picked up his first save since 2018, while Amir Garrett pitched the 7th and TJ Antone pitched the 8th in that win for Cincinnati. Some rehab news from the Reds. Sonny Gray's next rehab start will now come Saturday. He woke up with a stiff back earlier this week, so the Reds had to back off him by just a couple of days. If he remains out of the rotation for another turn, Tony Santion will likely continue to hold that spot in his place. Max Freed is expected to return from the 10-day IL on Wednesday against the Mets. Freed, of course, has been shelved by a blister on his finger. Josh Bell was scratched from the lineup on Thursday due to an oblique injury. He is scheduled to undergo an MRI to determine the extent of that injury. And John Means, who has been down with a shoulder injury, Hasn't resumed throwing from a mound yet, which means he is likely going to be sidelined until after the All-Star break. Let's take a look at some Thursday standouts. Kyle Schwarber at it yet again, two for four, with two more home runs on Thursday. That brings his season total up to 21 this season. Clearly the big fella enjoying time atop that Nats lineup right now. Gary Sanchez. Went two for five with his 13th home run of the season. Seven of those home runs have come in the last 13 games. His season line now sitting at a nice 240, 344, 503. And perhaps it is once again fair to say Gary Sanchez is good. Aaron Judge and Luke Voigt also homered for the Yankees in that game. And Jamison Tyon tossed six and a third innings of one run ball and won for the first time since May First, it's hard to believe it's been that long since JMO picked up a W. 
Brian Reynolds went three for four with another home run on Thursday. He now has 13 for the season, and he's hitting 313, 403, 543 entering the weekend. Easily an all-star caliber start to this season for Brian Reynolds, and really a guy that's building on what he was doing in 2019. So an impressive first three months for him and a guy that looks like he's going to be on a lot of league winning teams when it's all said and done here in 2021. Nick Pavetta was lifted after six and two third no hit innings against the Rays, eight strikeouts and two walks in that one. It lowered his season ERA to four even. With Pavetta, I think the big concern continues to be walks. Obviously pitched very well on Thursday, but the trust level is still pretty light as it pertains to Pavetta in part because of the free passes and of course because the track record simply has not been there. He's just let us down so many times before but he continues to do a better job than he really ever has of keeping the ball in the ballpark and if he can find a way to get that walk rate down just a little bit more get closer to the career rates feeds into the three and a half walks per nine maybe under 10 percent there is still a good chance that Pavetta ends up being more rosterable than not in most mixed leagues, but for now, he still remains more of a streamer despite the fact that he's racked up 94 Ks in 81 innings so far this season for Boston. Michael Walker tossed five scoreless innings on the other side of that game for the Rays, and it was J.P. Fireisen earning the win in relief, his fourth of the season. He actually pitched the top of the ninth at home in a scoreless game. He continues to have a prominent high-leverage role since his arrival in Tampa Bay. Luis Garcia pitched well again on Thursday. Seven innings, five Ks, a couple of walks, only two runs allowed against the Tigers. He also picked up a win. If you noticed on the Athletic on Thursday, Eno Saris released an updated set of starting pitching rankings, and Luis Garcia was inside the top 50 at the position, which absolutely makes sense. He's been one of the best waiver wire pickups on the pitching side so far here in 2021. And one really bad performance that I had to bring up in deep leagues. Hopefully you didn't have Dean Kramer in your lineup. If you had him in an AL only league or draft and hold, unfortunately, six earned runs, five walks, two hits. He recorded just one out in his start against the Blue Jays on Thursday. Since I'm alone today, we're going to try and do things just a little bit differently. Instead of looking only at the Friday streamer, since we don't do shows over the weekend, we'll take a look at a few options for Saturday and Sunday if you're playing in a daily league as well. Looking at the Friday options, we have John Gray making his first start back from a stint on the IL at the Brewers. It would be surprising to see him get much deeper than five innings into this outing, given where he might be at pitch count-wise with the injury. So tread carefully with Gray, even though this matchup is good and it does come outside of Coors Field. John Lester goes on the road to face the Marlins. Skills-wise, he's actually among the weakest options of all these streaming options this weekend, but the matchup is so good that you might want to go ahead and take advantage of that anyway, especially if wins are tightly clustered in your league and you can afford the possible hit to the ratios if Lester is unable to really deliver with Ks. I mean, the K rate, 16.3% for the season, 6.3 Ks per nine. If you prefer K per nine, it's not good no matter how you spin it, but the matchup truly is a good one. Uh, two options going up against each other in Mike Miner and Dane Dunning, that happening in Arlington. 
Miner, I think, is the slightly better pitcher of the two. The walk rate has been lower so far this season, but it has come with a slightly higher home run rate. Both are absolutely viable as streamers, even in shallow mixed leagues, if they are available. So definitely give them a look and prioritize both of them, Miner and Dunning, over the likes of Gray and Lester. Uh, Cal Quantrill, I think, is really interesting because the matchup, it's not nearly as good as the matchup that Miner and Dunning have going up against each other. It's not as good as the matchup that John Lester has on the road. But Cal Quantrill actually has some long-term appeal. He's getting stretched out now. Went five innings his last time out. Has a 274 ERA on the season. And while the Twins have still been an above-average offense, we know without Byron Buxton, this is a team that, frankly, could drop to an average sort of level of production pretty quickly. A lot of injuries in Minnesota this year just has not been the year we were expecting for the Bomba squad. So I would prioritize Quantrill ahead of both Lester and Gray, but just behind Miner and Dunning for short-term purposes. I think of this bunch, though, Quantrill actually has some weekend waiver wire appeal and could stick on your roster beyond this start. If you're going really deep looking for a name for maybe an NL-only league or even a league with more than 15 teams, Will Crow, the Pirate starter, is on the road against St. Louis. Uh, stuff numbers there are pretty encouraging. The surface numbers are brutal. I'm not going to try and pretend like they're good, but Will Crow actually could surprise you in this spot against St. Louis. Saturday, if you're trying to stream, not really a good day for it. A lot of already rostered players taking the mound, or a lot of guys that aren't rostered have very difficult matchups. I think the best you can do for a widely available pitcher is probably Sam Hengies against the aforementioned Minnesota Twins. Two good breaking balls, probably a slightly below average pitcher, but we've seen Cleveland have a lot of success, of course, as an organization developing pitching and having some guys really exceed expectations in recent years. Sunday looks quite a bit better. Ross Stripling still out there in some shallow mixed leagues. Of course, his last six starts have been fantastic. How about a 2.29 ERA, a .85 whip, and a 36 to 9 strikeout to walk ratio in 35 and a third innings? Stripling draws the Orioles, so a very nice matchup for him and probably some more long-term appeal as he really has righted the ship after a brutal start. A similar path is kind of happening for Jake Odorizzi. He is home against the Tigers. Nine scoreless innings in his last two appearances, 12 strikeouts against one walk, and just two hits allowed during that span. So there's some long-term appeal with both Stripling and Odorizzi. They're very comparable to, I think, Miner and Dane Dunning as far as what you might want to do even beyond these favorable matchups. And then Sammy Long, a recent call-up of the Giants draws Oakland, and their start at home for him. 16-3 strikeout-to-walk ratio in his first 15 big league innings. It's a pretty nice strikeout rate in the minors as well. Of all the pitchers I've talked about, Sammy Long actually has the best K-BB percentage at 22.8% this season. He's also thrown the fewest big league innings of all the pitchers I've talked about as streaming options for the weekend, but there could be some long-term appeal with Long as well. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Let's take a look at a few options that might be available 
on the waiver wire in your leagues. Steven Duggar continues to produce, offering power, speed, so far contributing in the batting average category as well. I think we can probably go ahead and temper our expectations there. Projections have him as more of a mid-230s, low-240s type hitter. He's sitting at 325 right now, but he's done that despite a 32.6% K percentage. Obviously, he's not going to hit 466 on balls and play going forward, but a lot of interesting things have happened with a ton of hitters in San Francisco, and Duggar might be one of them. The biggest difference that we're seeing in his profile compared to previous opportunities that he's had at the big league level, Steven Duggar's putting the ball in the air more than he ever has before. A lot of good stat cast numbers for him, too. Not only is he a good defender, uh, he runs very well. He's 87th percentile in sprint speed, 88th percentile in outs above average, and 94th percentile in outfielder jump. Those things matter when you're talking about someone who plays center field. But he's a left-handed bat. Obviously, the Giants are trying to win every possible game right now because they're actual playoff contenders this season, much to the surprise of many of us. Uh, but it's not just defensive ability. A 12.7% barrel rate from Steven Duggar to this point is encouraging. He can get away with a slightly elevated K rate if he continues to make contact like that. And having speed to fall back on as a secondary category makes him perfectly viable for those mid-sized mixed leagues where he still might be available, even if we are expecting that 230-240 range batting average from him going forward. Another really intriguing outfielder, of course, Akil Badu. We talked a lot about him at the beginning of the season. The Tigers' Rule 5 pick is playing a lot more lately. He has not sat against a right-handed starter since June 9th. So basically a big side platoon guy moving between left field and center field right now, even getting some run higher up in the lineup in terms of his offensive profile. It's a bit similar to Steven Duggar. K is our problem right now, just over 30%. But Akil Badu showing the ability to draw walks. He's showing some power, showing some speed, and frankly looks like a guy that the Tigers are going to play even more going forward, maybe even give him some chances against lefties because they're going to try and move veterans off this roster as the trade deadline approaches next month. So I think Duggar versus Badu, maybe you lean a little more on Duggar just because he's a little older. There's a slightly less chance that he's going to get bumped from the lineup for somebody else in the short term, so you get a little more playing time. And the other separating factor there, the Giants' offense is actually very good. The Tigers' offense, the supporting cast around Badu, simply is not. In a good number of shadow leagues, Keston Hira might be one of the better hitters available on the wire this weekend, of course, with Daniel Vogelback going on the IL for the Brewers. Hira was recalled from AAA Nashville. It's interesting because... In his first demotion to AAA, Keston Hira did not cut down on his strikeout rate at all. He got hot and kind of regained his confidence at the plate, went back to Milwaukee, still had the same swing and miss issues that he had prior to going down. This time around, his second demotion maybe gives us a little glimmer of hope that he can bring the K rate down slightly because he did temper the whiffs over the last few weeks at AAA Nashville, 25.5% K rate during his second stint at the level. You'd still expect that number to jump up going back up against Major League Pitching. But if we can get Hira back into the low 30% range with his K rate, that's where he was when he burst onto the scene in 2019 for the Brewers. And I think given the lack of alternatives and the need for more sources of offense in that Milwaukee lineup, he's going to have every opportunity in the next couple of weeks to make an impact and establish himself as that preferred option at first base. 
That's going to do it for this episode of Fantasy Baseball in 15. We'll have a full waiver wire breakdown on the Athletic Fantasy Baseball podcast at 10 a.m. on Sunday morning. Catch it live on YouTube or subscribe to the Athletic Fantasy Baseball podcast feed to get that podcast when it drops. As always, if you're enjoying this pod on a podcast platform that allows you to rate and review the show, we'd greatly appreciate it if you took a moment to do that. Thanks for listening. We're back with you on Monday. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.